0: And so do receive uh, a lot of equalization dollars, but they're a lower-income province. They Mm -hmm. have a below-average level of economic strength. And so if we're going to have a program to help lower-income regions, then some of that support will go to to Quebec. But it's not Alberta cutting the check. It's the federal government completely. And so we, as Canadians, regardless of where you live, you pay federal taxes. You Mm -hmm. pay a 5% GST. Same GST in in British Columbia, so there's not any kind of special levy right. on Albertans to right. fund equalization. Well, I, I'm so glad to hear
1: because even I'm learning things already. Um, and as a poli sci student, like it's not as simple as it seems. Um, but I'm glad you brought up the formula because I know the question is whether to eliminate equalization from the constitution, not to renegotiate the formula or discuss renegotiating the formula. So, what's with this approach?
0: So the government uh, would recognize that uh, the question is not about the formula, but the response would be that they view uh, a certain Supreme Court ruling around Quebec's secession Mm -hmm. uh, referendum in the 1990s. The Supreme Court in a reference case later ruled that if a province holds a referendum on seceding, then the federal government is obliged to negotiate in good faith the concerns and and grievances. Um, the, the Alberta government goes one step further and, to, and suggests that any referendum on any constitutional question obliges the federal government to negotiate. Right, and you know I'm an economist, so I have no idea <laughs> about the constitutional law or whether that interpretation is correct, but we're already continually meeting with the feds and discussing these kind of details. We have first ministers meetings that are regularly taking place. Mm -hmm. If Alberta wants something on the agenda of those meetings, it's free to put equalization on the agenda. We also have twice yearly meetings regularly between provincial, territorial, and federal officials on transfer payments. There's a literal table. Alberta has a little nameplate there. There is a seat Mm -hmm. where we are there with the feds talking about these issues, so we don't need a referendum to talk about the formula details. Right.
1: Okay, yeah. So it seems like there's sort of other avenues to express some concern or present changes for what the formula might be. So mm. in the case of the specific question being to eliminate equalization or not, what would the impact be of removing it completely?
0: Well, no single province can unilaterally amend the constitution. This is is the constitution of Canada, and there is a specific formula available to amend it that would involve the federal government and multiple other provinces accounting for a sufficiently large share of the population. So Alberta alone can't do anything about the constitution. And so that's important to remember that Mm -hmm. the referendum itself doesn't really lead to any actual legal change at all. It's really much more about uh, a political symbol or or maybe the provincial government's hoping it puts some political pressure on the federal government. But you, you could see it go either way where this may paint the federal government into a corner, making it more difficult for them to enact reasonable reforms, because now it looks like they're responding to this uh, this threat from Alberta and from the referendum. So it'll be interesting to see how it pans out. But it doesn't have itself any mechanical, practical effect. It's just about trying to frame the political communications.
1: Okay, yeah. So what's the move? I mean, you talked about political pressure, um, but making all Albertans go to the polls and vote on this. I mean, I know they're voting anyways, but it does seem like a bit of a thankless task then for about Burtons to be, you know, spending the time thinking about this and p- casting a, a vote. What does that? What does that imply or result in for the government?
0: So I, I think they're hoping that there will be large turnout and a strong right. yes support, so that the government can start to shift some of the, uh, let's say. Um, I don't want (laughs) to use the right word here, some of the anger in Alberta it exists for lots of reasons. I think a lot of it can be directed at the provincial government and maybe they want to kind of redirect this towards the federal government. Mm -hmm. And then they would use this vote to fly around the country and and just put the focus on federal issues rather than us having to take some tough choices here in Alberta. And so I think about our finances, our deficit. I think Mm -hmm. the government's in a tough... Spot, uh, and, and they want to make Albertans view the federal government as responsible in part for some right. of our own uh, challenges. So very I think that's uh, that's one of the goals.
1: Yeah, that's very interesting, um, and it's interesting to see sort of the way that the provincial government is hoping people turn out to vote in the municipal election and then be handed this ballot as well. Um, And, you know, regardless of what the referendum means or can or cannot do, just hypothetically, what would Canada look like without equalization?
0: That's a really great thought experiment. So (laughs) for the first roughly 100 years, so 90 years, uh, we didn't have a program like equalization. And what we saw during times of of real crisis such as the Great Depression was that provinces that were hit harder or had lower incomes and weaker economies had an extremely tough time providing the kind of public services that you see in other provinces. So unemployment insurance and old age uh, security and support payments, Mm -hmm. that that used to be provincial. And it was the experience in the Great Depression where not everyone could provide adequate public services motivated us to – shift those to the federal level. And you could imagine the same thing happening with other public services. If we didn't have equalization, the pressure to nationalize health care and education to ensure that Canadians everywhere have access to it would be really difficult for the federal government to resist. So equalization, you can see it as a program that facilitates a decentralized federation while ensuring comparable access to public services. And so that's an interesting argument where many, I think, some of the more thoughtful conservatives uh, out there who who tend to favor decentralization will note that programs like equalization make it possible for Alberta and other provinces to do their own thing in, in public services. So without equalization, I think we'd see a much... Uh, a much larger and stronger federal government rather than provincial.
1: Okay, that is really interesting because, I mean, yeah, face value, it sort of seems like just a left and right, yes or no kind of thing. But now, you know, looking at it from what would happen hypothetically, I mean, would you say this is more than just a yes or no or left and right kind of
0: thought? Absolutely. And we see that through history where, Different parties in different provinces at different times support or oppose equalization. It doesn't cleanly split left and right. So mm-hmm. it's, it was started by uh, Prime Minister Louis Saint Laurent, a liberal prime minister in the in the 1950s, but strongly supported and indeed expanded yeah. by conservative prime yeah. minister from the West, uh, Diefenbaker. Mm-hmm. Uh, Diefenbaker, also the first one to include resource revenues and really move the program towards what we see Today. Yeah, uh, support for the program is also very strong by Alberta Premier uh, Peter Lougheed. So at the time of the constitutional negotiations, he did strongly support embedding the principle in the Constitution, call, calling it a crucial aspect of confederation. He disagreed with the formula, like he had some thoughts about how mm-hmm. to reform things for sure, which is fine. Uh, but but recognized the value of a program like equalization in a decentralized federation like Canada.
1: Yeah, well, I'm really glad you bring up some of those leaders um, because I was looking as well, and the formula that's currently in place for equalization was renewed by the Liberal government, Mm -hmm. but it was initially put in place by Prime Minister Harper and Jason Kenney at the time was a senior cabinet minister. So how has the situation changed so much that Conservatives Jason Kenney and Harper can now oppose their own formula?
0: So in fairness to former Prime Minister Harper. I haven't actually heard him say much on, on this okay. file. So it's certainly yeah. true that uh, that Premier Kenney here is taking a pretty strong stance that is different from uh, what he would have supported as a cabinet minister right. at the time. So what's changed? If I go back to 2007, we had uh, an equalization formula that was really not working too well. It was That last version was put in place in 1982 mm-hmm. and made sense at the time. But by the time we got to the early 2000s, there really was a need for reform, for sure. so Liberal Prime Minister Paul Martin appoints an expert panel, chaired by an Albertan, Al O'Brien, mm. like a really um, phenomenal public finance expert here, to design this new, this new formula. But of course, um, Martin loses that election, and the Conservatives come to power federally under Harper, and then the expert panel reports. Uh, to Harper. So you have this kind of cross-partisan process that is largely adopted mm-hmm. uh, by Harper in 2007. And that's, the, for the most part, the formula that we have today. And I think it, it, it's legitimately a large improvement relative to what we had in the 80s and 90s. So uh, I've always been puzzled about why they have been so quick to critique their own right. actions when that was a, a big reform. Yeah and I think quite a positive reform. You know, not perfect, but, mm-hmm. but positive. So what's changed? Well, I think that the one big thing in Alberta is oil prices mm. uh, falling in 2014, 15, 16. And many will say, well, we went through a, a big recession and we didn't receive a dollar. How could this possibly be fair? Well, one thing to remember is because equalization is there to support below average provincial economies, right. Alberta, despite the recession still remained in the number one spot when you look okay. at where Alberta was compared to others. So Interesting. Yeah, the economy contracted. Our fiscal capacity fell. We have a lot more fiscal challenges than we used to, but unquestionably, uh, we are unquestionably above the rest of the country still. Mm-hmm. And so no program like equalization would pay out to Alberta right. despite the recession, regardless of what the formula details were.
1: Right. So on that, I, I wanted to chat about the fiscal stabilization program. Because mm-hmm. I know mm-hmm. when oil bottomed, bottomed out in 2016, Alberta was eligible and used this program, but only for $250 million, when That's its right. deficit was actually 30 times larger than that. So do you think that you know making a case to reform this program um, would actually be a better approach or one that was more realistic and one that would benefit Alberta in the end? Because like you said, we still come out on top even during those times. Yeah.
0: So I love that question because right now when you hear provincial politicians, or even in the last federal campaign, we Mm -hmm. we heard um, conservative leader O'Toole referring to stabilization, not as stabilization, but as the equalization rebate program in in quotes. And that's just (laughs) kind of spin. They're two different programs. So what stabilization does provide a kind of insurance to provincial governments that experience sharp, sudden declines in revenue. Okay. Whether you're high income or low, you are all or all provinces can qualify for it if you get a big shock. And its value is in recognizing that like natural disasters, these unexpected, costly events, it's cheaper for the federal government to do the borrowing than Mm. it is for provincial governments. Like the interest rates that the federal government faces just a lot lower. And so having the ability, like natural disasters, to shift that cost federally is what stabilization tries to do, but for not natural disasters, but economic disasters Mm -hmm. like recessions. The trouble, though, is that it, over over time, has gradually shrunk in terms Mm. of its actual size. Yeah and so it's limited in how much it pays out and okay. alberta during its recession for those 2 years received the maximum possible payout under the program and as you noted it didn't amount to much relative to the size of the yeah absolutely size of the show. so that's a legitimate critique for sure and and covid and indeed a little before covid almost all and then um, by the end of 2019, all provincial governments were unanimous in their support for expanding that program. Okay. And this, I think, is an example of how best to approach federal, you know, fiscal federalism policy. Premiers can talk with each other, provinces can talk and negotiate and try and figure out what a common way forward is. And that's a more effective way to present to the federal government an, an option yeah. to consider. And indeed, the federal government did respond, and they tripled the size of the stabilization policy. You know, maybe it didn't go as far as the Alberta government was hoping, but it's an example of provinces coming to an agreement and the federal government responding. And I think that's, that's a lesson for other policy areas as well.
1: Right. So, I mean, with that sort of background and example, is that not something that... Would be strategic for the premier to do with equalization now, or is it not something that he sees we can agree on?
0: So I think the first challenge for the government of Alberta to think about is what exactly does it want to see changed in the formula? Mm. I mean, when was the last time you heard a a, a political leader in Alberta raise specific concerns with the formula itself? The one that does come up is excluding resource revenues from Mm -hmm. the formula. And that's an interesting idea. And over history, we've included them sometimes, excluded them other times, and have explored different ways of treating it. But other than that one aspect of the formula, I don't get the impression that the Alberta government actually does have a problem with the formula. Mm -hmm. It's just using equalization as a symbol for other grievances, either channeling um, some kind of uh, historical grievances towards Quebec just in general right uh, pipelines more recently in particular um, but if it actually wants to pursue changes to equalization and it has in mind specific changes then yeah it should talk to provinces and excluding resource revenues you know that's something that Quebec would support because mm-hmm. in general it would lead them to to get more which is interesting since that's contrary to some of the other rhetoric we hear. In the discussion, or Newfoundland would strongly support removing resource revenues as well. But importantly for Albertans to remember is that removing resources or tweaking the formula here or there wouldn't result in Alberta receiving a dime under the program. Yeah.
1: That is so interesting. And I know we're getting into some like political strategy here, and a lot of it might just be speculation, but you bring up a lot of really interesting points. And I know the premier is basing the referendum off of Quebec separation where the Supreme Court ruled that a clear answer to a clear question would obligate the federal government to negotiate, and academics are arguing whether that applies strictly to separation or other issues and whether it's just representation of that. What's your take?
0: So I certainly am not qualified to weigh in on the constitutional (laughs) questions, but I have heard from constitutional experts much more saying, no, the Supreme Court case about Quebec, Quebec secession was about secession, right? Like that is a much that is a qualitatively different sure. situation and a different question. It gets to fundamental democratic rights, it, whereas here we're talking about like a fiscal policy. We're just talking about the design of a transfer program that the federal government has unilateral authority over. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, in just my lay naive uh, view, I, I tend to put weight on on the, what I think of as most of the constitutional law experts on this question. Those who do come out and strongly make the link between equalization and secession yeah. tend to be those with a more political orientation. And so I discount their right. their perspective there because okay. I don't think it's as informed in as, uh, in as dispassionate and right. uh, a- analytical way that others are. Mm-hmm. But I guess we'll see because yeah. it, it may very well end up going to a uh, uh, court. You could imagine that the referendum passes, and then the Alberta government makes a couple demands, and the feds don't engage sufficiently uh, with Alberta, and then boom, we start a reference case over whether or not the feds need to be compelled somehow to yeah. change the formula.
1: Yeah. Well, that was my my next question. Was you know hypothetically, you know, we get overwhelming support for eliminating equalization and sort of what that means for
0: Alberta going yeah. forward. But if I were to guess. I would say that the feds would, after the referendum, say, Yeah, of course, we're willing to talk to any provincial government right. about anything. Yeah. And so if Alberta <laughs> wants to talk about equalization, referendum or not, hey, here we are. Yeah. What does Alberta want? Yeah. And Alberta's not going to have a really strong list of reforms that it would like to see to equalization. It's going to be raising grievances yeah. about other issues. Right. Um, and that's just. Like, how does that connection get made? Where a referendum on equalization compels the federal government to, I don't know yeah. what, uh, force a pipeline through Quebec, for right. example. Right. I mean, I don't, I don't see the connection there. So it'll be, f- it'll definitely be fun at the very least to watch those dynamics <laughs> after that.
2: Yeah,
1: after the for sure. And it's so interesting that all of that complications and issues and symbols for other issues means that Albertans have to go to the polls in the next couple of weeks. So it really falls on on us at this point. And I know we've gone down the rabbit hole pretty far, um, but I'll maybe just... Pull us out because I'm sure we probably lost some students and some listeners um, because it's a complicated issue and there's a lot and obviously a lot of history. So, I mean, if you could simplify it and what Albertans have the choice to make, you know, if they're voting in advance polling or on mm-hmm. the 18th, what does that moment mean and, and what sort of things
0: should they be considering? So, I think the, the most important thing that I would communicate to others is not to suggest you should vote yes or no mm-hmm. on this, but to answer the question honestly and genuinely from your yeah. own perspective so it's asking about whether you support the principle of equalization of comparable public services at comparable taxation if you do then you should vote no if mm-hmm. you don't fair enough and then you should vote yes yeah but try not to connect all these other issues to a very specific question on an important constitutional issue
1: for sure well Thank you so much, and I, time just flies by. There's a million other questions I could ask you, but this is a really good insight to the issue and to the question that we'll be voting on in the next couple of weeks. So thank you, Trevor, so much for being here and for clearing some of that up. I learned a lot. I hope the listeners did too. And if you're listening, stay tuned in because I have a very, very exciting guest coming up afterwards as well. Trevor, thank you for being here.
0: Thank you. My pleasure.
1: Just escape my old man he
3: kicked me out kicked me out when I told him that I live this way 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 he doesn't own me he doesn't own me he doesn't own me he doesn't own me Drinking water in a picture frame I swear to God I've seen those eyes The back of my lids when closing mine With clasped hands we shake it out, shake it out Lace the boots and we walk away I felt slightly connected to him And said, now boy, now you own me Arrow's land
4: Doesn't sleep, so in truth he never wakes up. Another day rush into his death at a breath on the treadmill of the famous. He makes mistakes, tells stories to his paint, brush when the world finally sees his art. He wishes that he never would've made it. Just escape, just escape. shades and he cooks his fate. Living in a city with a grand brother over your shoulders and you're becoming suffocated by the weight. Can't hit those brakes? This is what you wanted, huh? But you got it all in vain Cause you forgot who you are. Why right does the world learn your name? It goes. issues, ashtray is this asphalt, American spirit, black coffee, conversations, and a passport, When God gives you everything, everything that you ever asked for, and it still looks a bit different than when you pictured it on that back porch, and I'm gone, world traveler, all I got is my songs, when the nights start blending into one another and I don't recall, Tom Petty and this motherfucker, all I want to do is free fall, free fall, and I'm so caught up, caught up, I'm caught up, and I'm so tired, swore that I wouldn't stare into the light, and guess who tried it, shit, I'm blinded by this limelight, this limelight, it's all night, it's all day, these bright lights, these bright lights, once you turn them on, you can't walk away, don't die here, don't die here, I came too far, I'm too great, but I'm too scared, I'm too afraid, to stare this world into its face, I'm almost home, I'm driving lost, my eyelids closed, light turns to grey, the camera's off, the show is over, you close the curtains and just escape, yeah land were falling and rose were fallen
3: and rose land were falling and rose were falling live this way I 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 live this way live this way just escape
1: Awesome. Hello and welcome back. If you're joining us for the first time, my name is Marley. I'm the vice president external at the University of Calgary Students Union. If you missed it, I had our econ professor, our very own here at UCalgary, um, Trevor Toom, before talking to me about equalization, what it means and why you'll be voting on it in the next couple of weeks. So if you missed that, you can go on to cgsw.com and listen to that episode. But thank you for staying or for tuning in. I'm so excited to have the chief returning officer. Officer for Elections Calgary here with me today Kate Martin thank you so so much it's, it's an honor to have you here how are you doing
5: good thank you so much Marley I'm absolutely thrilled to be here and it's wonderful to be back at the University of Calgary campus
1: yeah we're happy to have you back before we get into it maybe you know just tell us a little bit about yourself and the position as chief returning officer at Elections Calgary
5: oh sure thanks Marley so I became the City of Calgary's returning officer in February it is a position that is legislated, as you know. Mm-hmm. Um, my roles, duties and responsibilities are set out in the Local Authorities Election Act. And they largely revolve around establishing voting stations, mm-hmm. hiring election workers and doing everything that's necessary to deliver this municipal election.
1: A really big job
5: to it take is. on. <laughs> yes, it is, especially in um, in this pandemic time. Yeah. Um, the other part of my role is the city clerk
1: mm-hmm. for the
5: city of Calgary. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm also the head of the local public body, so responsibilities around access and privacy and information as well.
1: For sure. Oh my goodness! Well, amazing for you to take this on during this really unpredictable time. Um, I bet it's just been a real chaotic sense. But I want to get into all of you know the COVID complications and what's changed for this upcoming election. Um, but first, I want to start you know with what matters most to students, and that's the opportunity to vote on campus. Um, and I know in the past elections we've seen what's called Vote Anywhere. Um, and for our listeners, that program allows students in the community to vote for any ward that they're coming from, but here on campus. You know, students and professors and staff spend the majority of their day here. So it really makes voting accessible when you're, you know, on campus for 100% of that time. Kate, I know the Vote Anywhere program isn't happening in its full capacity this year. Maybe you can tell us a little bit about the complications as to why it wasn't able to happen um, and sort of what that means for students this year.
5: That's a really great question to start us off, Marley. Um, So having delivered that Vote Anywhere model in the past, um, Elections Calgary certainly recognizes both the convenience and the ease of access Mm -hmm. that that model delivered to our students, and it's associated with Vote Anywhere across the city. However, um, the 2021 general election, we planned differently. We planned it differently than previous elections for a number of reasons, but really the primary one was the COVID-19 pandemic. For sure. All plans and decisions that we were making early in the spring and heading into the summer were really... um in a manner to reduce any sort of risks. So that is where advanced vote anywhere was not going to be offered. In terms of, you know, the specific considerations, it was really about assigning voters to specific locations Mm -hmm. to help us manage capacity, to help us manage um, crowding in the event that the COVID pandemic got worse. Mm -hmm. And as you know, here we are today, right? Um, We also wanted to ensure that we would be able to accommodate all the candidates and scrutineers <laughs> and election workers. So there's, what, 182. Oh my there's 182 gosh. candidates, and there will be six in the Senate election as well. So um, both candidates and scrutineers, they have that legislated... Um, ability to be inside the voting station. So as we started thinking about what does our voting model look like for this year with the capacity limits, what can we do? This was really that designated community-wide model was really going to be the one that would let us have the safety measures in place. Mm -hmm. There's a couple other reasons um, related to ballot allocation and making sure that our staff would have enough time to sanitize our stations and process Mm-hmm. Voters, um, so that's really those are some of the considerations that that got us to the community wide model.
1: Yeah, no, it's really good to have that insight because I think it's uh, it's a lot more complicated than it looks on the surface. And I know throughout the summer that you and I had lots of meetings to discuss uh, all of the complications and you know what it meant for students to not have that opportunity. Mm-hmm. I mean, regardless of you know all of the COVID complications and the number of candidates, um, it really meant it was the difference between students voting and not voting. Um, So I'm really glad you know that this year students will still have the opportunity to vote on their campuses. So maybe tell us about a little bit about this modification and the sort of compromise that we have here so students can vote here um, but it's still in a very safe way.
5: Right so I'm you know I have to tell you I'm so thrilled (laughs) that Elections Calgary was able to develop and implement that safe designated advance vote for the Mm -hmm. students. Um, we, had, we had great conversations over the summer, right? Okay. So we most certainly recognized the importance of engaging students and engaging students early. Um, I'm also really grateful to the post-secondary administrators. They mm. were wonderful partners. and Yeah, they really um, partnered with us to make sure that we are able to deliver that vote safely. So in terms of the opportunities for students, let's talk about that a little bit. Yeah. So it's not advanced anywhere, but there will be two designated stations for Perfect. the students, right? We've got the selected days, we've got longer hours, and students at each campus will be able to cast their vote here. Awesome. But I think it's also really important for students to know that the on-campus vote isn't their only option. Mm-hmm. They've got a ton of other opportunities that they can they can participate and vote in. Um, so the advanced vote will be October 4th to October 10th. Mm-hmm. There will be 37 advanced vote wow. locations. That's awesome. Yeah, it's 11 more.
0: That's awesome.
5: Yeah, we're working really hard um, to be accessible so students can vote at their designated advanced vote location. Uh, Really important to note, too, we're going to have advanced polls open on Saturday and Sunday. Nice. So I know students Great. are busy, right? <laughs> we had we had lots of conversations about what student life is like. So for anyone who's busy Monday to Friday, they've got an opportunity on Saturday and on Sunday. For students that are either living or working downtown, there will be designated stations at City Hall. At City
2: Hall
5: yeah. Yeah, are also it's going to be the same format as the post secondary campuses. So it'll be two designated stations. I'm um, offering ballots for wards 1 through 7 and 8 through 14. Of course, students can also vote on election day itself, mm-hmm. October eighteenth, <laughs> right? So that's that's another that's another really good um,
1: opportunity that students have. So there's lots of options for sure, and it's great to, to hear about all of that for you or for you Calgary specifically on our campus. Um, students will have the opportunity to vote on October fourth and fifth. And what are the times for that? So the campus vote will occur between nine a.m. and six p.m. Awesome. And it will be in the dining in the center. Dining center, yeah. yeah, that's very exciting. I can't wait for those days. They're coming up really quick. It is. That's <laughs> so next, next week. Next <laughs> week already. And I know uh, the students' union, myself, and all of our faculty reps will be doing lots of get-out-the-vote work to make sure students know that that's there um, and that they should take advantage of that in those two days. But that they do, of course, have those other options on the weekend and on election day itself. So that's that's really great to hear. This was an issue that was so important to us as student leaders. Um, and, you know, to candidates that we've seen that students have a voice and have every possible opportunity. So I'm really glad that we made that happen. Um, just to clarify, too, for students, if they live any ward, they'll have the opportunity to vote on campus on October 4th and 5th. they will just have correct. to know sort of which poll to go to if they're sort of on the lesser side of numbers or the bigger side.
5: Exactly. And I know we're going to talk a little bit later about, um, you know, the tools that are in place. But you're absolutely right. So the students will and we'll have lots of resources and we'll have information Mm -hmm. officers on site to help guide students to the correct voting station as
1: well. Awesome. That's so exciting to hear. And yeah, I don't want to skip ahead. um, Mm -hmm. But sort of one of the things I wanted to ask you about was all of the changes that have been made to make voting a safe experience this year um, and to sort of mitigate any risk from covid possible so i mean first of all what has it been like to prepare an election of this size a civic election in the middle of a global pandemic that's
5: another really great question marley so the you know i'll be honest it's it's the pandemic's brought some challenges sure. in in planning our municipal election. But that being said, Elections Calgary is really well prepared um, to serve our voters both safely and and awesome. efficiently. So in terms of you know what it was like, our plans um. We we had to shift. We had to shift Mm -hmm. a number of ways and we had to bring different partners to the table this time around. So we had significant consultations with the Ministry of Municipal Affairs, Elections, Alberta, Alberta Health Services, the city's rapid response team, to ensure that we would be following all current provincial and, and city orders. We closely followed... Um, elections Canada's election mm-hmm. that just happened in September and, you know, their experiences and we took some lessons from how their election unfolded. Perfect. And then in addition, you know, some of the other factors that we had to plan and prepare for, how to manage our Elections Calgary staff yeah. safely. And um, we had to look at, you know, having additional work locations to make sure that social distancing was in mm-hmm. place. We had to change our training model. As you know, we are hiring close to 4,000 employees. So we had to think through, you know, how do we deliver our training safely and efficiently in a a really short period of time? Uh, What are some of the other things I can tell you about in terms of preparing in a pandemic? We had to think through um, personal protective equipment. Mm -hmm. What does that look like? How much, you know, what do we need? How do we lay out our voting stations differently? Right. How do we create that space um, with social distancing? How do we look for locations that are going to meet all of the restrictions? So there's lots of lots of different
1: things we had to consider this time around. For sure, yeah, that sounds like a lot. Um, based off of all of that, what extra measures you know are in place now to make sure that voting is a safe opportunity and activity? Yeah,
5: so all you know, COVID sa- COVID nineteen safety protocols will be in place um, at every single voting station and elections calgary will be following all public health orders, again both provincial and the city. Our our goal really is to deliver that safe environment for everyone, workers, voters, candidates, um, and scrutineers. Mm-hmm. So what what can you see in terms of safety measures in voting stations? Election workers will be wearing masks. Perfect. Um they will be um There will be masks and face shields also available for any voter who comes to the stations. We will have social distancing in place. So students can expect to see some furniture and Mm -hmm. and some signage in terms of being spaced out. Similar to what you would have seen at the federal election, we'll have those plexiglass um, physical barriers. Those will be in place. Um, Additional uh, safety measures include frequently touched surfaces will be sanitized throughout the day, social distancing, and then there's capacity limits. So we will be following that one-third fire code Mm -hmm. capacity limit. So we're doing a lot on our end. Uh, I think it's important to, you know, to recognize COVID continues to be a a really fluid (laughs) situation. So for anyone listening, I would just encourage them before they head out to the voting stations to take a look at electionscalgary.ca for any of the, up you know, any of the current COVID information. And safety measures for voters. If you don't mind, we can maybe talk a little bit yeah, about that.
1: absolutely. So
5: voters um, will, be, will be required to wear a mask themselves as well.
1: Mm-hmm.
5: Voters are encouraged to bring their own pencil or ballpoint awesome. ball pen, oh, yeah. ball, pens. Excuse <laughs> me. Um, we will have supplies of pencils on site. Uh, we will have sanitizer also awesome. available for voters. And voters are encouraged to complete their voter statement ahead mm-hmm. of time. We're okay. looking just to make it really, really yeah. efficient in the voting stations. So there will be one copy provided in the voter guide, and then you can also download it from electionscalgary.ca to awesome. facilitate the, the process.
1: That's good to know. Yeah, it's uh, it's great to hear about all of the measures that are in place you know, on the election side of things, but the voter side of things as well, to, you know, give comfort to students in the community that this is a safe, you know, activity to participate in, um, because I don't want that to ever be the barrier between, you know, voting and not voting.
5: Right. Elections Calgary is working really hard to deliver the safe voting stations and safe elections. That's so
1: good to hear. Thank you for for sharing that with us. Um, The next thing I wanted to ask you about um, is the ward boundary changes. I know that it's kind of a confusing thing. Students and listeners might and I'll know which ward they're in, and also it might have changed. So can you tell us you know, a little bit about the ward boundary changes that have happened since the 2017 election? Of
5: course. So for, for anyone who's just tuning in about ward boundaries, so Municipal Government Act um, allows council to divide the municipality into wards mm-hmm. and to establish their boundaries and their governance structure. In 2019, the returning officer conducted what we call a minor ward boundary review. And out of that word boundary review, word boundaries did change. And they did change for the 2021 general election. And that was done to really better balance the population, which is a cornerstone of representative, mm-hmm. um, sorry, effective representation at the municipal level. So word boundaries changed, but there's lots of options for students <laughs> to find out. Perfect. Um, That's what I like to yeah, hear. There's lots and lots of options to find out what word students live in. So in terms of where can they look. So Elections Calgary has sent out a voter information card awesome. to all the households and that's going to show where the ward op- where the voting opportunities are. We are also sending out a voter guide and that Perfect. voter guide will not only have information about the ward, but we're also providing maps. So I really encourage students to take a look at that voter guide when they receive it. Mm-hmm. Lots of information, of course, Elections Calgary website and we have what is called where do i vote tool.
2: Perfect.
5: Students can type in their address, and they can learn what um, ward they reside in. Of course, you can call three one one. That's another option. And as we briefly talked about, the voting stations at at, on campus and downtown, they will have information officers, which I'm really excited about because these are youth. That nice. are working in these <laughs> positions. So, just please ask if anyone's unsure about which ward they reside in. Just connect with our information officers, and they'll be happy
1: to help you. That is so amazing. Yeah, yeah it can be easier. <laughs> That's right. And you know, lastly,
5: this one I'm really excited to um, to talk about as well is Elections Calgary partnership with the Calgary Public Library.
6: Oh, nice.
5: So the Calgary Public Library will have a plan your vote tool.
1: Oh, very cool.
5: Yes, I am very excited. Um, It's, again, going to allow students and really anyone Mm -hmm. to log on and to make a plan for their vote. Not only what ward do you live in, but consider how will you get to the voting station. Yeah. Uh, So it's a really, 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 really cool tool that's been put out. So, again, I encourage students to check out the Calgary Public Library
1: website. Perfect. Yeah, thank you for sharing that with us. We'll definitely be checking that out um, and sharing all of those resources that you've mentioned so far Mm -hmm. with students so that they can, you know, get those answers that they need before going to the polls, Mm -hmm. which is great. Um, I know there's been some changes this year to polling generally. You mentioned weekends um, and expanded hours. Maybe you can just talk about that uh, for us a little bit. You know, what are the changes since 2017? Oh Merley, there's been there's been quite a few.
5: <laughs> Loaded questions. <laughs> yes. So we, we we chatted a little bit about the COVID safety measures, we talked about the word boundaries. Uh, some of the other changes include all voting stations for the twenty twenty one general election have been assessed for accessibility.
1: Perfect. And
5: yes, so that was new this is new. They were assessed for accessibility using the federal accessibility criteria. So everything from accessibility to enter the voting station but mm-hmm. as well as parking outside. So that's um that's a really important improvement I think mm-hmm. that we've done from 2017. We've increased the total number of stations for the election by 33. So there's 11 more stations for the advance vote, but there's also 22 more stations for wow. the election day. So as you can imagine, that's also more more employees yep. that we're going to have. Uh, we'll be attending more shelters this election. That's a change over 2017, and we have new new um, new positions staffing our our voting stations. So that's new. Shifting gears. This will be the first time tabulators will be used during mm-hmm. a municipal election. That's exciting. <laughs> yeah, it is. So following that success of the tabulators after the 2018 Olympic vote, yeah. this will be the first municipal election. And we're bringing tabulators to improve that speed, accuracy, and, and timely reporting of results on election night. Wow. So that's new. <laughs> yeah. Uh, moving on in terms of some of the resources. So the voter information card. That Mm -hmm. is new for this municipal election. That's new. And, you know, with our commitment to making this that accessible and easy voting experience, the voter information card just provides information for voters in terms of where where they can find their voting station. Transit tickets. um, We haven't talked about that yet. So this municipal election, anyone taking transit to vote um, can show their transit tickets to an election official, and they in turn will receive two 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 tickets back. So it's a really great partnership that Elections Calgary established with Calgary Transit. Mm -hmm. So that's new. We talked a little bit about that voter statement being provided online. Yeah, That's new. Uh, What else can I tell you? The mail-in ballots. So the mail-in ballots process isn't new. But what is new this year is that we will have um, mail-in ballot drop boxes throughout the city. And um, they'll be placed across six locations and libraries. Yes. They'll be secured. They will be... Um, it's just another way to make dropping off mail-in ballots convenient. Absolutely. For voters. Yeah. So that's new. Um
1: I, I that's think a that's, lot of
5: changes. <laughs> There's been quite a few, yeah. but we're really committed um, to you know making sure that this is accessible and an easy voting experience. Yeah,
1: it sounds like it. Thank you for sharing all of that with us. I think it's really useful information to have for students and listeners and the community just generally um, to know and to note all of the changes that have been made uh, to make this uh, a more accessible and an easier experience. I'm wondering if you can walk us through that experience. You know, front to back, what is that going to be like for students? What do they need to bring, prepare? What can they expect? How long will it take? Just, you know, what all of the information and sort of all of the insight so that it's not like an intimidating process. It's something that they know and can prepare and expect.
5: So I would say the first thing really would be to determine if you're eligible to vote in this municipal election. So voters will be eligible to vote. If they're at least 18 years old, if they are a Canadian citizen, and if they are a resident on um, a resident of Calgary on election day, perfect. To vote, students will have to bring one form of authorized identification perfect. that's going to contain both their name and their address. And picture identification is not required. Awesome. Since we just had the federal election, um, I should mention that ID requirements are different for the federal election than they are for the municipal election. So it's really important to make sure that students know what is accepted. So I can provide a few examples. Yeah, absolutely. In, in terms of what is acceptable, but I would again encourage everyone to take a look at Calgary, mm-hmm. electionscalgary.ca. We have a full list of acceptable identification, and there's lots of examples. But to give you a couple here, um, so identification that is issued by a Canadian government, whether it's federal, provincial, or municipal that contains name and current address we will also accept statement of government benefits um correspondence issued by a school okay. which i think will be relevant for the students absolutely it could be a letter or a form which we call an attestation confirming that the student lives at the stated address okay. so that's that's another that's another identification option to students uh, some other ID documents can be um, bank or credit card statements, insurance policy, or a utility bill.
1: Okay, great. So there's
5: lots of identification yeah. <laughs> options too. Uh, in terms of, you know, coming to the voting stations, my my advice would be learn about the vote. Yeah, uh, It's a complex ballot. Mm-hmm. Uh, Elections Calgary website, the voter guide, as well as our Calgary media. They're great resources in terms of what will be on the ballot elections calgary provides a link to all the candidates platforms to, the, to their own websites yeah. so i think that that's another really good resource in terms of what students can expect at the voting stations themselves maybe i can switch gears a little bit for sure yes uh, so students can expect to be greeted at the door by one of our election Staff who will advise of any COVID safety protocols. So that will really be the first thing. And then students will be directed to the voting room.
1: Awesome.
5: I would say we can, there's really three easy steps when it comes to to voting in the election. So the first one will be when students arrive in the voting station, they will need to confirm who they are Mm -hmm. and show their identification to the deputy returning officer. The election worker will then hand them their ballot. Perfect. Step two will be to go behind the privacy booth to mark the ballot. Instructions will be noted on the ballot, and -hmm. they will also be noted in that privacy booth. So lots of instructions. Um, At that point behind the booth, um, students will make their choice either for the candidate or for the question. Mm -hmm. And from there, it's important to note that every voter has a right to secrecy in how they're voting. So there's no photographs, there's no videos. Really important to note that. So once a student has marked their ballot, it's on to step three. Awesome. So the last step (laughs) is to bring the ballot to our tabulator clerk. Perfect. The tabulator clerk will take that ballot and they will scan and record it through the tabulator. Mm -hmm. And that's That's it. it. That is it. (laughs) You have voted in the municipal election. Thank you,
1: yeah, for walking us through that. (laughs) I think it's it's really great for students to have a picture. You know, a lot of them, this will be the first election they've voted in um, or voted in person in at least um, because they know the federal election was recently. But... This, uh, this will be a different experience. And you mentioned the ballot being quite a complicated one. Um, I'm wondering if you can lay that out for us, like where the questions will be and what students, you know, what the questions will look like and how they will be asked so that students can prepare for what their vote might be
5: of course so with um with 182 candidates <laughs> and a number of questions on the ballot I think Marley this is probably one of the most frequent questions yeah. <laughs> that, that we've been receiving so in previous elections if students have voted you'll recall that it was small paper ballots yeah. for each race for this election the ballot will be what we call a composite ballot okay so the ballot will have i um, both will have a number of races mm-hmm. plus the questions so the the students, voters, they will receive two ballots okay. at the voting station. The first ballot will be the municipal ballot. And the municipal ballot will contain candidates for the office of mayor, mm-hmm. office of councillor, and then school board trustees. And the municipal ballot will also include the question of, are you in favor of reintroducing fluoridation of of the municipal water supply? Yeah. So that's your first municipal ballot. And, you know, the other question that I frequently receive is with how many candidates do we have? Will they all fit on one ballot? And they do. Um, Amazing. So I just wanted to know that they do. The provincial ballot, so this is your, your second ballot, mm-hmm. that one will include the candidates for the Senate race. Yep. And it will have the two referendum questions. So so voters will vote on referendums about equal, equalization payments, yep. which you just had lots yes. of information on your show. And then the second one will be the daylight savings it time.
1: Perfect. Yeah yes that's good to hear that you know students will be handed like seven pieces of paper <laughs> when they get there will be two <laughs> <laughs> perfect that's really good to hear and and also just revisiting the piece about identification and what that what those qualifications are i think that's really helpful for students um because yeah their situation changes a lot their address changes quite frequently sometimes yearly um students live in residence so having that flexibility and being able to bring you know bank statements or utility bills um is going to be really helpful. So I want students to to note that and be be sure that it's not going to be an issue of you don't have the right piece of identification with you.
5: And the the voter guide will provide that information. And again, lots of examples on electionscalgary.ca.
1: Awesome. That is really great to hear. I think this was really useful in terms of giving students all the information that they need to know to go and vote. The last question I had for you was about the Senate election, because I know um, in previous Senate elections, nearly 20 percent of Albertans declined their ballot. And, you know, that's different than spoiling their ballot, you know, not sending that message. I guess what options do people have since it'll be combined um, to not vote in that race specifically?
5: So the the provincial ballot like you say will include both the senate as well as the referendum questions. Mm-hmm. And the because the ballots will be read by a tabulator. Yeah. Any properly marked um, responses to the referendum so to the to the referendum yeah. questions will be will be captured by the tabulator and will be counted. Okay. So any more any any ballots that are left blank but the remaining questions are properly marked yeah. will be counted by the tabulator.
1: Okay. Yeah, interesting and and good to know because I know that's been something we've seen in the past and it's different this year now with those combined ballots. So um, I'm excited to sort of be a part of that process and to see what it all looks like. Um, But thank you for sharing all that information with us and to students. I hope they found it useful. Um, If you want to revisit any of this uh, that Kate has talked about, you can go to cjsw.com and re-listen to the episode. Um, Kate, maybe just... For some final words, share like the top one or two resources that students should be accessing before they go and vote potentially on Monday.
5: I would say the first resource would be electionscalgary.ca. Mm-hmm. Our website is is designed to be accessible. There's a link right at the top for voters and it will provide you with information not only about your ward, but also about identification and all the hours so I would say that's a great resource Perfect. the second resource is please take a look at the voter guide yeah lots of lots awesome. of great information to ha- to have students be prepared for that voting experience on Monday
1: that's great awesome and really good to hear and I know you know students are listening that the Students' Union will you know help share those resources and make sure that students are seeing them on Monday and Tuesday and throughout the rest of the advanced voting period and then of course for election day on the 18th. Day.
5: Thanks, Marley. I just thought of one more, and that is on electionscalgary.ca, we've put out a video on how to vote. Yes. So some of the things that I've just talked about, if anyone's interested to see what that voting station will look like, Mm -hmm. we have a video available for students.
1: Awesome. That sounds very handy and perfect for students to access before they plan their vote. Kate, thank you so, so thank much for you. being here. Uh, it was great to sort of get all this information out there for students and for the listeners. I really appreciate you taking the time to come on the show this afternoon with me. So thank oh, you for likewise. being here.
5: Thank you very much. And thank you for partnering with us to provide the information.
1: Awesome. Perfect. So that was Kate Martin, the Chief Returning Officer for Elections Calgary. My name is Marley Gillies. You're welcome to access that episode or all the episodes before on cgsw.com.
2: Let me Welcome to
0: CJSW 90.9 FM, broadcasting live in Treaty 7 territory, the home of the Nitsitapi or Blackfoot, of Siksika, Gainai, and Pagani, the Beaver People of Tsutsina, and the Stony Nakoda of Morley, which includes Chiniki, Paw, and Wesley First Nations. We're also walking in the footsteps of Métis Region 3, and we proudly honor everyone who calls Treaty 7 home. And remember, we
6: are all Treaty people. Mo se a queer just seguzi. Mo